Um, we are on Daf Mem Aleph Amid Aleph, the third line. So the Mishnah said that the Kayan Gadol at the end of Yom Kippur, it's really a beautiful way to end Yom Kippur, the Gemara is going to describe. So it says that the Kayan Gadol would take a Sefer Torah, he would read from Achrimais, then he would roll very quickly to Ach Be'asar. Ach Be'asar is like six prakim later. But he wouldn't um, be goyle. He would do maftir by heart. But but he would do achrimais and then ach ba'asar, he would lay. Now the problem is, the rule is, we don't skip parashias in the Torah. If you're going to lane, you have to lane straight from the Torah or get another Sefer Torah. We don't, in middle of laning, skip. Now there is one major exception, which is uh, anyone who is a Balkara, he was a Taina Sibar, you do skip uh, a column and a half. Uh, of Kisisa, but so the Gemara is going to talk about that. So the Gemara says, well, it's not going to address, it'll give an answer that will explain that. So the Gemara, let's start the Gemara. The Gemara says, Ermenu, I have a contradiction. Midalgin Benavi, you're allowed to skip <coughs> in Navi. Haftaira, you're allowed to skip. Vein Midalgin Betaira, you're not allowed to skip in Taira. I mean, the seemingly reason is it's a bazillion for the Taira. The Taira has to be MS is straight. You don't skip around. So how is he allowed to skip <coughs> six Prokim? It's skipping in the Torah. It's not allowed. So the Gemara says, Am Rabbi, like Kasha, Kan Bechdesha Yifsekan Turgaman, Kan Bechdesha Lo Yifsekan Turgaman. So the Gemara answers that really you're allowed to skip in the Torah. When the Bryce says, You're not allowed to skip, that's only if it's too far away. If it's so close that you could be goyalit while the translator is still translating the previous psukim, right? Again, they would have it that they would lame the psukim, they would make a pause, the translator would say the psukim in Aramaic. So it says the Gemara, you're allowed to skip in the Torah as long as the Maturgam is still going. Going. Here's the problem. Meaning, so when it's said in the Brisa that you're allowed to skip for Navi and not for Tyra, that means if the Maturgamon, meaning you're allowed to skip for Navi even if the Maturgamon takes as long, I don't care, even if it's a pause. But Tyra, you're not allowed to skip unless there's no pause. If there's no pause, then it's fine. So our Mishnah, what says you're allowed to skip, is talking about there's no pause. Here's the problem. So you're telling me right now that Tyra, you're allowed to skip in the parish of Laning as long as there's no pause. It's not true. Ha'ala Katani, but didn't we explain, it's all Sugin Yuma. Medalgim in Novi, the A Medalgim Terry, you're allowed to skip in Novi, but not in Tyra. Vadkam Medalgim, Akadishal Yusukmaturgun. The only time you're allowed to skip in Novi is when there's no break. Meaning, Tyra, it's Osir and Legamri. You're not allowed to skip at all in the Tyra. Novi, you're allowed to skip if there's no pause. So go back to the original question. It seems to be that it's unequivocally Osir to skip in the Tyra, but yet we're allowing it in the mission. So the Gemara says. No, no, meaning. Meaning, in the Torah, it's Aser at all, but you, you seem to be skipping. In the Mishnah, you're skipping six prokim. From in, in, in Achba Aser, you're going from Achrimais to Achba Aser, which is six prokim. So you're not allowed to skip at all. And don't tell me that you're allowed to skip in the Torah if there's, if there's no delay. It's not true. Torah is Aser, Aser, the Gamri. So the Gemara says, The answer is, you're allowed to skip in the Torah if two, two qualifications. No pause. And... It has to be the same topic. That's the point. You're allowed to skip in the Torah if it's the same topic. If you're going from the same topic to each other, you're allowed to skip. In Navi, you're allowed to skip even different topics. So therefore, back to our... We had a question. How are you allowed to skip in laning? If, uh, it, again, I mentioned... You mentioned Taina Sieber. It's the same question. Taina Sieber, we skip. Anyone who's laned, anyone who's never laned and then gets up there and has to lane realizes that there's something wrong. You have to skip. They skip about a column and a half. 
and in in and the Kohen Gadol would skip six brachim. So how is it allowed? The answer is you're allowed to skip in the Torah as long as it's very quick and it has to be the same topic. It has to be kanyan echad. So by Taina Siba, it's the same topic. It's all about the Lucha Shnias. So the Gemara says, You're allowed to skip in the Torah if it's one topic. And Navi, you're allowed to skip even two topics. Vahatanya, this Vahatanya is not a question. This Vahatanya is backing up as a proof. The Brisa actually clarifies it. It says, Medalgin betaira bininechon. You're allowed to skip in the Torah as long as it's the same topic. Ubinavi bishinen yonim. And in Navi, you're allowed to skip if it's even if it's two topics. And says the Gemara, and no matter how you hold, whether it's the Torah in one topic, the Navi in two topics, it has to be quick enough that the Maturgaman is still going so that no one notices the delay. It has to be that the Tzibar is not bothered by the delay because the Maturgaman is still going. Now, even in Navi, although you're allowed to skip from one topic to the next, it has to be all within the same Sefer. You can't go from Yeshua to Shaiftim or from Shaiftim to Shmuel. That you're not allowed to do. That's too drastic. But you're allowed to switch if it's in Treyasar, because Treyasar, so Treyasar, Ezra to Nehemiah, those that, it's fine because Treyasar is all one, it's all one Sefer. As long as you don't go from the beginning of Treyasar to the end of Treyasar. The end of Treyasar to the beginning of Treyasar is too drastic, but from one Sefer to the next in Treyasar is fine. Okay, now we're going to continue, we're going to run through uh, the order, the process of the Kayin Gadol. So the Mishnah then said, the Sefer the the the, the Gadol rolls up the Torah. We'll address why he didn't want to be Goyl in a second, but he's now about to lane by heart the uh, the Mafter, right? He's about to lane by heart the Mafter, but before he lanes it by heart, he announces publicly the Mafter is in the Torah. I'm just reading it by heart. So the question is, why do you have to say that? So the answer is, He doesn't want people to think that the reason why he's landing by heart is because the Sefer Torah that he just noticed is puzzle. So therefore he has to publicly state, the Sefer Torah is kosher, I'm landing by heart. Now, uh, Now, so he lands it by heart. So the question is, why? Why not just be goylul? To uh, to Pinchas, which is Mafter. Just be Gail to Pinchas. The answer is, because the answer is, it's Tircha de Tzibura. Now, by the way, the Svarim points out, you see from here, I mean, this is the Kayin Gadol for Or of Kla, you saw, but you see that Tircha de Tzibura is not very long. Tircha de Tzibura, I mean, how long does it take to be Gail from the end of Vikra to the end of Amid? Are you talking about maybe a minute and a half? That's it, maybe a minute and a half. It shows you that that. Tirchaditzibur is a subtle thing. So therefore, he, so he's bothered by this, the following problem. He's got a lane from Pinchas, but he can't be Goyalit because it's Tirchaditzibur. So he lanes it by heart. The Gemara says, I have another option. Take two Sefer Torah. We do it all the time. So the Gemara says, So take out two Sefer Torah. Take out the regular laning and take out Mafter laning, which is what we do. So the answer is two explanations why it's Aser, and now we'll have to figure out how do we do it. So one explanation is, Rav Yehuda says, you're not allowed to, is because people, if you take out two Sefer Torah, people are going to think the first one's puzzle. So by the way, obvious question, we do it all the time. Question, uh, reason number two, 
Rishim ben Lakish Amr Levi Shem Bavarchem Bracha Shenitzricha. Rish Lakish says it's an unnecessary bracha because now you're ca- causing him to make another bracha on a second Sefer Torah. So you have two issues with taking out a second Sefer Torah. Now here's the problem: either it's because we think the first Sefer Torah is it looks like the first Sefer Torah is possible, or it's unnecessary bracha. You could just lean from the first one. Why are you making another bracha on a second Sefer Torah? So let me ask you a question. Let's go with the first shot that it uh, makes the Sefer Torah look possible. And how do we do it all the time? Every Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, every Shabbos Hanukkah, you're taking up three Sefer Torah. So you should, it makes it look like the Sefer Torah is possible. So the Gemara says, You're telling me that if I take out another Sefer Torah, it looks like it's a psal? Because, uh, because it makes it look like the first Sefer Torah is possible? What are you talking about? I mean, you could have just, the Gemara Kasha could just be like, we do this all the time. But the Gemara says, Rosh Chodesh Tevish, Chalis B'Shabbos, right? You have Rosh Chodesh Tevish, you have three ladings, right? Because you have Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and Hanukkah. Maybe Shalosh Tairis, you bring three Sefer Torah. Kaira Achas Minyan Shal Yoim, one is the Parsha. Achas Shor Shchaydish, Achas Shal Hanukkah. So, oh, so, so have, you're allowed to take out three Sefer Torah, though why can't he take out two? The answer is, Tlosa Gavri, Betlosa Sifri, Lekab Gama. Chad Gavri, Betray Sifri, Ibgama. The answer is, by us, the reason why it's mutter is because they're always being called up differently. Meaning, you're not having the guy who got Shvi is not getting him after. If it's the same guy who's getting all the aliyahs, and then you take out another Sefer Torah, it's like, well, what's the problem here? The reason why it's allowed for us is because you're having multiple people being called up to different Sefer Torahs. So it doesn't look bad. You got called up to Shvi, I got called up to Mafter. To the onlooker, it's like, okay, well, different people, different Sefer Torah. It doesn't look bad. Because it's one Kayin the laning straight, for him to stop laning and pull out another Sefer Torah would be a begam. This would probably be Negei. I don't remember the halachas in this regard. But when there was COVID and, and there was a period of time where you could you could only call up one guy for all seven aliyahs, then in a Hanami, I actually never leaned after. Uh, you would I would just when I did it in my backyard minion, um, it's based on the Mishabura, uh, is that you go straight Shvi, straight, close the Sefer Torah, no Mafter, Haftarah, and then I think the, the bracha on like after afterwards or something like that. I don't remember the exact details, but it was no after. The reason being is because it's a it's a shtickle akin to this gemara that once it's one person being called up, then oh, you start doing two. It, 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 it's 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 it makes a begam of the sefer That's why the kain gadol is a problem for us. It's fine because we're never calling up the same person for all seven from from shvi to after. It's always different people. What, what's the problem with the Reish Lakish saying the So Reish Lakish also that would also that's because it's the same guy. Because because the same because that's also that that would only be a problem for one person. It's the same answer. When one person is being called up to the Torah and he made a bracha on Shvi, then you should just be able to go to the next Aliyah. But now that you brought up another Sefer Torah, now it's forcing me to make more brachos. Again, back in the times of the Gemara, they didn't always do that. So now you're forcing me to make more brachos because it's the same guy. I mean, again, it's the same it's the same answer. The distinction between the Kohen Gadol's objection to our Sugya is that over there it's one person. Therefore, it makes the first Sefer Torah look possible. Therefore, it's causing him to make more brachas which are unnecessary by us because we're making brachas anyway. And you're having multiple people being called up to multiple Sefer Torah, it's not going to be a problem. Now, just to finish up the Sugya to get to the Mishnah, it says, So the Mishnah said that he makes eight brachas. Now, I'll run through all of them. We're not going to describe what they are all in detail. They're really sugyas in Yuma. But the Gemara says, the eight brachos that the Kohen Gadol says after, this is after he's done the Avodah. This is around Mincha time. He's laned, and now he makes eight brachos. And what are the brachos? Ten He makes the bracha al Bechas HaTorah. As we do always, whenever you lane. Ve'al Avodah, Ve'al Hoda. You do Ritzay and Modim. 
Al mechilas avon and slach lanu, like we have in davening. Al hamikdash mefnei atzma, a special bracha, bracha lechem melchaylam. Al hamikdash, special bracha on the base of mikdash. Al kohanim, bracha blessing the kohanim. Al yisrael, blessing the Jewish people. Val yishalayim. Those are the seven. And then after that, the last one is Shar Tfila. What does that mean? Tanar Abana, Hashar Tfila. After that, he would just make a bracha of Tfila, which is Tchina, Rina, Bakasha. Stam, he would he would add a lot of brachas, a lot of bakashos, and he would end Vasha. He would say, Hashem, the Jewish people need salvation. And he would end this bracha with Shemet Tfila. And that was it. Now, what would they do? Now it's interesting. A lot of people don't know this. So now what do they do? They already finished the Avoda. There's no Nila back then. So you got you got about probably an hour until Yom Kippur is over. So Mikan Ve'elach from here on until the end of Yom Kippur, maybe Every Jew, you'd have millions of Jews by the by the Beisak, by the by the Harabais. All of them would bring a Sefer Torah with them from their house, the Kairabai. and they would all learn together. They would all learn. Everyone would just pull out a Sefer Torah and start learning. That's how Yom Kippur would end. And the question is, why would they do this? Everyone to bring a Sefer Torah. So everyone could show off the Sefer Torah. Look how beautiful it is. Look how much we cherish it. So everyone would go over and be like, oh, it's a nice Sefer Torah. Oh, it's a nice one. And that was how Yom Kippur ended. Okay, now the next Mishnah deals with... No, because at that point, they were, they were uplifted. They were actually happy. By the way, I wanted to mention this. I mentioned, to, I think, to Gavin, my father... I thought it was very apropos that yesterday's daf, I'll just mention very quickly for anyone who's listening. So people had, you know, with this event and with the Lagbomer, this fire, you going to this fire, who you're going to, and all these things is different things. So I said it's it's Mamish yesterday's daf. Yesterday's daf, Rav Abba Demin Ako, it says that he was giving a shear, and he set up shot, and then Maturgaman said a different shot, and he didn't get upset. So why why didn't he get upset? The guy is mamish, you know, showing you know different shot in front of everybody. So he, Rav Abba said it's between me and him, Hashem's happy. Like, what's the difference if it comes from me, if it comes from him? I thought it was very apropos that that's the day. It's like, okay, you're going to go to this parade, that parade, this thing, of this event. What's the difference? It's all, like, when it's not for the shul, it's not for the people. It's all for the shparch. It was a nafkamin. As long as Hashem's happy, it's a nafkamin. You go to here, you go there, it was a nafkamin. So I thought it was a pretty, uh, you know, it was like a sign from Shemaim that that was the daf. Where did the Kohen Gadol uh, Where was he actually? He was, it, it, well, according to we said yesterday, it was in Ezra's Nashim. Oh, Ezra's Nashim. Uh, so now, now, which takes us to the next step, which is, now we're going to talk about the mitzvah hakel. The mitzvah hakel is the sukkis after Shemitah, the second day, the first day of Cholmoyed. So it's the first day Cholmoyed, the sukkis after Shemitah, the, the melech, all the Jewish people would go, now they're going anyway to Yerushalayim to be Eulah Regal, but now everybody, Anoshim, Noshim Vitaf, there's a special mitzvah for every member of the Jewish people to go to the Beis HaMikdash. The king sits uh, sits in the, as we're going to see, in the Ezra's Noshim. He stands up, takes the Sefer Torah, sits down, lanes from the Torah, and says brachos. That's called Mitzvah Hakel. Is a mitzvah, again, this is the sh- this first day Cholamoyed of Sukkis after Shemitah. So the Mishnah says, now the reason why this is listed is because this is one of the things that the king had to say uh, in Loshan HaKadosh. Parshish HaMelech Ketzad. What's the process of Hakel? So Motzei Yom Teferishin Shalchag, the conclusion of the first day of Sukkis, Bishmini in the eighth year, and the Gemara is going to explain because Bishmini you could actually read as the eighth day of Sukkot, which would make sense because we just said it's the first day Chalamud. But the Gemara is going to explain it means the eighth year. following Shemitah. By the way, this is all kind of, kind of repeating itself. Shemini is the eighth year, which is Matzei Shemitah. Yeah, okay, fine. The Gemara is going to right now. Yeah, yeah, they had, they had a, Chabad did like a parade, they did a Hakel event this past year. So Oisin Bima Shalait Bazara, they make. 
seven and a half years and the way things fall out, most times you will get sold in a hakel. Oh, that's cool. That's actually cool. Osin lo bima shel shel azara. So they make a wooden platform for the king. Who yoyshevla? He sits by the platform. Shenemar haknes shenemar mikeid shavashan b'mayed. This is very similar to the process by the Kohen Gadol. They wouldn't just give the Sefer to the king. The Sefer would be taken by the Chazan. The Chazan would give it to the Skan Kayam, the deputy Kohen Gadol. Then the deputy would give it to the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol would give it to the king. The king stands up to receive the Torah. And then he sits and he leans. Now, there was a king named Agripas. Agripas was a he was a Jewish person. Uh, his mother was Jewish, but his father was a descendant of slaves. He was from the Hashmanoyim kingdom. So he was not from the Malchi based David. He was not from the kingdom of David. He was a king, but he was not from the Davidic dynasty. And the Mishnah says, Agripas, Agripas, although the king normally reads sitting down, he stood up. Now the reason why he stood up is because he knew that he wasn't from the most lineage. So like covered, covered for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he stood up and says the Mishnah, the Chum were happy with this. They said, like they were happy that although normally the king sits, the, the fact that you're standing is a nice thing. Now, one of the things that the king reads during Hakel is the pasuk that says, "You shall not have a king that's from the non from the outside nation." Meaning, you have to be a Jew to be king. And says the Mishnah, "Zolguin of them if he started to cry." Now, the reason why he started to cry, so let me, um, let me read the line, I'll explain. He started to cry because he realized that he's not really kosher to be a king. Fine. Now, Amrulai, they said, Al-Tisyari Agribiz, no, don't worry, Achenu Atta, Achenu Atta, you're our brother, you're our brother. Now, a couple of things. The Gemara is going to say on the next Ahmed, we'll see it in a few minutes, that when the Jewish people flattered, flattery means to, 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 to say, oh, you're good, you're good when you're a Russia. That was a bad thing that they did. When the Jewish people said to Agrippas, no, 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 you, you're fit to be king, you're a brother, you're a brother, bad things happened to the Jewish people because of this. Now, why was Agrippas, you know, he wasn't fit to be king. I just want to clarify this point. He was Jewish. His mom was a Jew. He was Jewish. So why was he not fit to be king? If he's a Jew, why is he not fit to be king? So Rashi says, the truth is he was fit to be king. But it's just not like out of, what was there was a line that they used to say that the, I think the, the Chicago Bears had a hard time. They haven't really had a quarterback. Maybe now they might have. For like 30 years, they haven't had a quarterback. They probably still don't have a quarterback. And the joke was, however many people are in Chicago, there's like 2 million people in the state, in the city. They're like, out of 2 million people, no one knows how to throw a football. Like, that was always a joke. So Rashi says, the reason why, he's really kosher to be a king, but out of the millions of Jews, you need to find someone whose father's from, uh, from slaves. Yeah, I mean, technically he's a Jew, because Allah, he's Jewish, but you need to have a guy, a guy, a father, that's you can. So it's like a shikl bazayin. The problem is, Taisa doesn't like that, because Taisa says, you want to say because a shikl bazayin, Klaiusro will kill? Like, if he's, if he's fit, he's fit. Like, you want to say it's a bazayin, that, that. The Gemara is going to say that when the Jewish people said, you're our brother, you're our brother, you're fit to be king, it was like, calamity happens. You're going to tell me calamity because it's a bazayin. So Taisa says, no, you see from here, to be a Jew, mom, Jewish. To be king, you need both parents. As the Tyson says, it's, it's, he was talking not fit to be king. Ah, he's Jewish. Jewish and fit to be king are different, as the Tyson says. Okay, fine. So the Mishnah continues. He starts reading from the beginning of Devarim until Shema. Then he reads the Shema. 
Parsha Samelech, the Parsha talks about the king, Brachas Eklalis, the Brachas and Klalis, Parsha, until he finishes that entire section. Then, okay, so that was all the learning that he did. Then he would say the same Brachas that we just had from the Kayin Gadol, the eight Brachas. Brachas of Kayin Gadol, Varachaisen, Hamelech, Varachaisen, the eight Brachas of the Kayin Gadol, he said, except, Shanoisin Shiragon, Tachas Mechilisavon. One of the, the third Bracha that we had from the Kayin Gadol was Salachlanu, was forgiveness. That, because it was Yom Kippur, that you take out. And you put in regalim, you make a special bracha for sukkahs. Okay. But it's basically the same process of the brachas as the kayin gadol. That's what the melech would do. So let's run through it. But he's skipping around a lot then. Correct. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's skipping a little bit. Yeah. But again, I guess it's the same topic and it's fast enough. He's skipping about four prakim at a time. So I guess the maturgaman, he would okay. do a paragraph, let the maturgaman go, and then he would quickly go. Now, the Gemara says like this. The Mishnah said, again, I told you when it is. It's the first day Chalamayit Sukkis after Shemitah. The Mishnah then says, it's the first day Chalamayit, and then it says Bishmini. So again, I told you Shemini means the eighth year, but you could read Shemini as the eighth day of Sukkot. So Gemara says, Bishmini is that. I thought you told me it's the first day Chalamayit, not the eighth day, not Simchas Taira. The answer is, Ema Bishminis, it means the eighth year. Fine. Let's keep going. Why do you need all these descriptions? Right? Because the Pasuk says, uh, the Pasuk says, Mikates Sheva Shonim Bishnas Hashemitah. Yo, it, it mamish describes everything. So why do you need it so much? So I'll tell you what. If it just said at the end of the seven years and not Shemitah, right? It says the end of the seven years, the end of Shemitah. Yeah, those are synonyms. The answer is because if it just said the end of seven years, how do you know that you count seven years from the beginning of the Shemitah cycle? Maybe there's the Shemitah cycle and then there's a special cycle for kings. Maybe Stam, you should start counting whenever Moshe Rabbeinu was given the Torah, whenever they entered Israel, start counting then. And it doesn't have to be aligned with Shemitah. So the Kasar, maybe you should count from the time that the Jewish people, uh, the time that it was given, which is the 40th year from leaving Mitzrayim, and not necessarily from Shemitah. Maybe the seventh year and Shemitah are not aligned. Kasar Rechman Shemitah says, no, 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 it's the end of the seventh year, which is Shemitah. And if it just said Shemitah, now if it just said Shemitah, I would say, well, maybe it's during Shemitah, right? Kasar Rechman Abimayid, it says Sukkis, right? So it says the end of the seventh year, which is Shemitah, because again, if it just said end of the seventh year, I would think any random seven years, Shemitah. But if it just said Shemitah, I would think during Shemitah, it says Sukkot. Now, if it just said Sukkot, but if it just said Mayid, Mayid means the Mayid after Shemitah. Now, Mayid could mean Sukkot, it could mean Rosh Hashanah, it could be Yom Kippur. So if it just said Mayid, I would think it's after Shemitah, but it could be Rosh Hashanah after Shemitah. So it says Sukkot. And if it just said Sukkot, I would say maybe Simchas Torah. Or maybe the fourth day of Chalmayid. Therefore, it says the beginning of Chalmayid. It's the beginning of the Chalmayid. We had this yesterday that the, the Chazan would give it to the deputy, who would give it to the king, who would give Melech, who would give it to the king, who give it to the Melech. So I said yesterday, we had this mamash from yesterday, that there's a Shaila in the Gemara. Are you allowed to show covet to a lower level Rav in front of a greater Rav? So if there's a Godel be Yisrael that's sitting here and a, a Rav walks in, do you stand up for him? Do we say that you should respect that Rav? Or it could be in, in, in front of a, a level 10 Rav, you shouldn't show honor to a level 5. So the Gemara says, I'll prove to you you're allowed to because over here, think about it. Who's the level 10? The king. But they're not just giving it to the king, they're giving it to the chaz and they're giving it to the deputy. They're showing honor to other people in the presence of the king. So Shaman you see from here, 
that you should let her show honor to a lower level Rav in the presence of a greater Rav, because that's why they were doing it. So the Gemara says, no, same thing we had yesterday, which is, the Shaila we had is, if your Gadol Yisrael sitting here, and a level 5 Rav walks in, should I show him honor? That's purely honor to him, it's irrelevant to him, so that you could have a discussion. Over here, when they gave the Sefer Torah to the Chazin, who gave it to the deputy, who gave it to the Kohen Gadol, who gave it to the Melech, that wasn't just showing honor to them. On the contrary, it was showing honor to the king, to the melech. Because think about it. He's like, ooh, it's going, oh, it's greater, greater, greater. And then it shows him. It, it's all for the covet of the melech. So it's not related to the shayla at all. It's not like you're showing honor to him and not showing honor to the greater of. Over here, you're showing honor to the melech because the more honor you show to the lower ones and it's all leading up to the melech, oh, you see that's more honor for the melech. So it's actually all mitzad covered for the melech. Okay. Who's yeah. Well, well, that's why I wouldn't die. I mean, but the Mel, I mean, the Melech was kind of I mean, at least kind of the Melech, the Melech. I mean, ho- hopefully, the Melech was supposed to be no, the. But as far as the rub, you know, the lower level rub. Oh no, it, true. But I'll be honest with you. I'll give a, a fairly example. You have a Shtibel rub, and then Rukhain Kanevsky walks in the room. Like there you go. Like there are going to be some scenarios where it's like, okay, that's pretty clear. Um, so the Gemara says, Hamelch Oimin Mekabel Vekari Yoisha Agripas Melch. Okay, so. Here's a kasha. Agripas was originally sitting before the Sefer Torah was brought to him. Then he stood up. How is he allowed to sit? The only one that's allowed to sit in the actual Azara is the kingdom of David. Agripas was not from the kingdom of David. This is the same kasha we had yesterday. Is how could the Kayan Gadol sit? The only one that was allowed to sit in the Beis Hamikdash, in the actual Ezra Sisral onward, were uh, was Malchi Bizdav. That's it. So how was the Kayin Gadol? We had the question yesterday on Yom Kippur. And how is Agripas sitting? So the answer is, the same answer we had yesterday is Kedam Rav Chizda Bezras Nashim, Hachanam Bezras Nashim. The answer is the same thing, which is, all of this took place in the Ezras Nashim. Ezras Nashim, you're allowed to sit. The whole objection of sitting is in Ezras Yisrael onward. This is the Ezras Nashim area, which had the status of Harabayas, and that's why Agripas was allowed to sit, and that's why the Kayin Gadol was allowed to sit. Now, Agrippa stood, though. See, he was sitting. They bring the Sefer Torah. Then he stands. And he said the entire laning standing. Although normally the king is supposed to sit, he stood. Covered Sefer Torah. And it says that the, the Rabbanim praised him. Let me ask you a question. Why are the Rabbanim praising him? The halacha is that if a king is moichel on his covered, ein kvoidei moichel. A king is not allowed to be moichel on his covered. He's not allowed to be humble. So if Agrippa is supposed to sit, then why he should not allow me to standing? The Gemara says, "V'shivchu." Why are they praising the Chalda Shabbat? He's it's a good thing that he did. But wait a minute, Tamer Rav Ashi, I feel the man that Menasi shemachal kvoidei, kvoidei machal, Melech shemachal kvoidei, and kvoidei machal. The halacha is that even if you hold that a Nasi is allowed to renounce his covet, he's allowed to be Michael on his covet, a king can't, because he represents Klal Yisrael. Because we're supposed to fear him. So how is Agribas allowed to sit? He's being Michael. It's not. It's very nice to be humble, but you're not allowed to be humble when you're a king. The answer is mitzvah shani. The answer is when it says a king is not allowed to be Michael on his covet, that means personal covet. But to be Michael on your covet, to show honor to Hashem, like in this case where he's standing for the Sefer Torah, that's fine. Meaning when it says that a king can't be Michael on his covet, that means for personal disputes. A guy, you know, he wants to stand up for his older brother. No, there's no standing up for your older brother. You can't be Michael on your covet. But to stand up for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that you're allowed to. Now, it says that when Agrippas got to the Pasuk that says, uh, basically, that uh, a foreign person shall not be king, 
he started to cry, and they said, no, you're our brother, you're our brother. And I mentioned in the Mishnah, either according to Rashi, he was technically fit to be king, but it wasn't, uh, it was a shikl bizayon to have like a, a gayish a father, but uh, Tysus actually says, no, he was not fit to be king. And by them saying, you're our brother, you're our brother, that's flattery. Flattery, by the way, Ramosha Feinstein has a truva where he quotes the Marshal. There's a very famous teaching of the Marshal that if a Rav Paskins incorrectly on purpose, he's Chayev Misa. So this is also related. This is this flattery, which is you're telling a guy, oh, you know, the guy is a baseball player. Oh, you're a great baseball player. That's not what we're talking about. This is you're flattering his actions, which kind of sound like uh, Ramosha Shiloh, which is very Negea, was are you allowed to give psicha to someone who is intermarried? That was a Shiloh. Because by by uh, by or or to a reform rabbi, because the problem is by you giving them kavod, you don't want it to seem like like we we're 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 cool with your actions. That's the issue with flattery because it's it's questioning the authenticity of the emes of Torah, and also it's like you're living like a Russia. You're oh no, we're 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 good with you. We're good with you. Well, why? why? So the Gemara says tanam shmeder of nasan. But at that moment when Klal is so flattered. Agrippas by saying, no, you're a brother, you're a brother. Either Tyrus says he shouldn't be king. No, 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 you're good. It's not up to you. Can't, you can't flatter a Russia. When they did that, the Jewish people became liable, God forbid, for destruction. Because they flattered Agrippas. Now, the Gemara continues. From here until the end of the parak. I'm not going to finish the parak today because it's the second album is a little bit longer. Um, it's just talking about flattery in halacha and the issue of flattery. Again, flattery has different forms. Ramayusha talks about the worst case of flattery, the highest form of flattery, that's mamish aser, is when you paskin incorrectly on purpose. You have a guy who's a Russia and he's like, I'm going to drive to shul. Is that good? Is that okay? And you're like, yeah, yeah of course, don't worry, don't worry. It's fine. For you, it's fine. Now, and by the way, people do this sometimes, especially with people in Kirov, because they don't want to be like a jerk. They don't want to be a bad guy. But the guy's like, do you mind if I smoke? Nah, it's fine. On Shabbos, you mind if I smoke on Shabbos? Nah, it's fine. What do you mean it's fine? You can't say it's okay. That's a high level flattery. And then there's a lower level flattery, which is you're just pl- praising them as people or their lifestyle when their lifestyle is against the Torah. So th- what they did was a uh, pretty not good form of flattery by saying Agrippas is fit to be king because you're a brother of when the Torah says he's not. That's why Tyson doesn't like Rashi because according to Rashi, he was Taka was fit. So it's like, that, how bad is that already? They should be destroyed, as the Gemara says. The day that Agrippas was flattered by Klal Yisrael, Nisafzu Adinim, judgment became perverted, people became corrupted, and no one could be actually be able to say to someone, listen, his actions are greater than yours. Meaning, once Klal Yisrael basically told a king, you're fit to be king even though he isn't to make peace, then everything's out the window because then people could do whatever they want because then there's no emiss anymore. The Gemara continues, He says, he says, maybe it's not the highest form of flattery, a lower form of flattery is allowed for Rishon because the Rishon are having success, it's okay to flatter them uh, as opposed to having arguments with them. The Pasuk says, a Pasuk in Yeshaya, a, a, a disgusting person will no, longer be, uh, will no longer be called generous, meaning when Mashiach comes, everything will be clear. Up to that point, they're going to have a Rasha being called generous, that's part of the deal. You see that during this lifetime it happens, but once Mashiach comes and Oilam Haba, it's not going to happen anymore. Rishim Lakish says, I have a proof that you're allowed to flatter a Rasha. Yaakov Avinu did it. Yaakov Avinu meets Esav and he says, He says, Your face is like an angel. 
Okay, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty flattering for Yaakov to say that to a Russia. Your face is like an angel. That's uh, that's flattery. So you see, if Yaakov did it, must be allowed. So the, and by the way, the, the, the argument is that they're saying over here the reason why it's mutter to flatter is because you're doing it because you're afraid of fighting with the guy. You want to get him on his good side. So okay. So then it's allowed. Again, you have to know how we paskin. I don't think we paskin this way. The Gemara says, though, so what's the source that you're allowed to flatter Russia? It was Chamberlain, right? It was appeasement with Hitler. All right, so what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the source that you're allowed to appease? It's because Yaakov said to Esav, your face is like an angel. The Gemara says, it's not how Rav Levi understood the Pasuk. You know Rav Levi understood the Pasuk? It's not flattering at all. It was a threat. Tam Rav Levi, Rav Levi says, Yaakov Esav. You know what Yaakov was trying to give Esav the following Moshe. What is it comparable to? You have a person who invites a guest. The guest gets there and realizes that he might be killed during the meal. This meal, they're going to hunt me. I don't know. <laughs> this meal is going to take a turn. He realized during the meal that it's very, he's, he's in danger. So he says, So the guest turns to the host. He says, oh, wow, this soup is so great. Last week when I was by the president's house, I tasted soup. It was the same thing. That's like throwing in a little bit of a, it's, it's not, you're throwing in, you're basically telling the guy, I know the president. So watch out, right? So he says, So the host knows, like, oh, this guy's got powerful. He's like, oh, last week when I was hanging out with Putin, uh, I had a similar soup. So the guy's like, hmm. So it's not flattery. It's it's trying to threaten the guy. So too, when Yaakovinu said to Esav, your face is like a malach, that's Yaakovinu's way of saying, I know what malachim look like. Like, I, I'm, I'm, working, I'm working on a different level. So it wasn't to flatter Esav. It was saying to Esav, you don't know who you're dealing with. Okay. Amr Avalazar, call them Sheish Bechanifa, any person that has flattery, maybe Aflaim brings anger to the world. Shanemar, the Khan Felev Yasimu Af. Those that flatter bring on Hashem's anger. And more than that, the Tfil is not answered. They don't cry out because Hashem punishes them. The Gemara continues, Amr Avalazar, call them Sheish Bechanufa, any person that has flattery, even fetuses in their mother's wombs curse him. Whatever this means. Shanemar. If someone says to a Russia, you're a tzaddik, so yekavuhu, which means to curse, amim, uh, the people were cursing, and yizamuhu, um, yizamuhu is another form of like bashing, leumim, leumim is babies. Fetuses. So I mean, en The word koiv means curse. Shenemar loy kavakel. Vein loim aluumen. And the word oim is babies. Shenemar loim loim yamats. So it's saying in the pasuk that you'll be cursed by fetuses. Vam ravalazar. Call them sheish bechanufa noifal gehenim. Anyone who flatters a rasha will fall gehenim. Shenemar hoy oimim l'ratoiv l'toiv rap. The pasuk says that if you say that people are evil, that they're good, and good evil meaning, so if you say that people are evil, that they're good, you flatter them. What's the next pasuk? The tongue will consume, will be consumed by fire, and stubble will be burned down in flame. That's referring to Gehenim. Vam Rav says, anyone who flatters his fellow, the whole point of flattery is you want the Russia on your side, but the truth is eventually you'll fall to his hands. And if you don't fall to his hands, you'll fall to his son's hands. And if you don't fall to the Russia's sons, you'll fall to the grandson of the Russia. Now what's the source? Now what this, let me do very quickly, a very quick background. 
there was a false prophet named Hananiah who said that the Beis Hamikdash will not be destroyed. That although they're being uh, they're being punished by the Babylonians, it's going to be two years and then everyone's fine. Now that's uh, by the way, actually a very dangerous thing because you have Yermia getting up trying to tell Klai Yisrael, hey, there's going to be a Chorban, stop what you're doing, there's going to be a Chorban. And then you get Hananiah who's like, nah, two years bad, then we're back. So when Hananiah said that to Yermia, Yermia Hanavi should have said, again on his level, he should have said, you're a Russia and it's false, get out of here. But what he said was, Amen, because you have Hananiah saying that the base of English will not be destroyed. So Yermia said, Yermia, 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 and Hanavi al Hananiah, Yermia said to Hananiah, Amen. I hope you're right. Now, that was perceived as a form of flattery, and the Gemara ends off, as we're going to see right now, Uksiv, in the next passage says, it says, This Hananiah had a grandson, and later on, as Yirmi is trying to escape certain parts of Yishalayim, he was accused of backing the non-Jewish nations, and he was arrested by the grandson of Hananiah. So you see that he flattered Hananiah on some level, and he was arrested by his grandson. So this is the source that the Gemara says that if you flatter Russia, you may you're going to fall either into his hands, his son's hands, or at some point the grandson's. So the, this Hananiah's grandson said to him, you're just trying to help the Castilian? And he says, no, it's not true. He was put in prison. Okay, and he was put in prison, and that was the fulfillment of the, the promise of the Gemara. All right, we'll stop here.